Section four of Secrets of the Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maggie Travers. Secrets of the Woods by William J. Long. Section four. Keonek the Fisherman. Part one. Wherever you find Keonek the Otter, you find three other things: wilderness, beauty and running water that no winter can freeze. There is also good fishing, but that will profit you little, for after Keonek has harried a pool it is useless to cast your fly or minnow there. The largest fish has disappeared. You will find his bones and a fin or two on the ice or the nearest bank, and the little fish are still in hiding after their fright. Conversely, wherever you find the three elements mentioned, you will also find Keonek, if your eyes know how to read the signs aright. Even in places near the towns, where no otter has been seen for generations, they are still to be found leading their shy wild life, so familiar with every sight and sound of danger, that no eye of the many that pass by ever sees them. No animal has been more persistently trapped and hunted for the valuable fur that he bears, but Keonek is hard to catch and quick to learn. When a family have all been caught or driven away from a favorite stream, another otter speedily finds the spot in some of his winter wanderings after better fishing, and, knowing well from the signs that others of his race have paid the sad penalty for heedlessness, he settles down there with greater watchfulness and enjoys his fisherman's luck. In the spring he brings a mate to share his rich living. Soon a family of young otters go a-fishing in the best pools and explore the stream for miles up and down. But so shy and wild and quick to hide are they that the trout fishermen who follow the river, and the ice fishermen who set up their tilt-ups in the pond below, and the children who gather cowslips in the spring, have no suspicion that the original proprietors of the stream are still on the spot, jealously watching and resenting every intrusion. Occasionally the woodchoppers cross an unknown trail in the snow, a heavy trail with long, sliding, downhill plunges which look as if a log had been dragged along. But they, too, go their way, wandering a bit at the queer things that live in the woods, but not understanding the plain records that the queer things leave behind them. Did they but follow far enough, they would find the end of the trail in open water, and on the ice beyond the signs of Keonek's fishing. I remember one otter family whose den I found, when a boy, on a stream between two ponds within three miles of the town house. Yet the oldest hunter could barely remember the time when the last otter had been caught or seen in the county. I was sitting very still in the bushes on the bank, one day in spring, watching for a wood duck. Wood duck lived there, but the cover was so thick that I could never surprise them. They always heard me coming and were off giving me only vanishing glimpses among the trees, or else quietly hiding until I went by. So the only way to see them, a beautiful sight they were, was to sit still in hiding, for hours if need be, until they came gliding by, all unconscious of the watcher. As I waited, a large animal came swiftly upstream, just his head visible, with a long tail trailing behind. He was swimming powerfully, steadily, straight as a string, but, as I noted with wonder, he made no ripple whatever, sliding through the water as if greased from nose to tail. 
just above me he dived and i did not see him again though i watched up and down stream breathlessly for him to reappear i had never seen such an animal before but i knew somehow that it was an otter and i drew back into better hiding with the hope of seeing the rare creature again presently another otter appeared coming upstream and disappearing in exactly the same way as the first but though i stayed all the afternoon i saw nothing more after that i haunted the spot every time i could get away creeping down to the river bank and hiding for hours long at a stretch for i knew now that the otters lived there and they gave me many glimpses of a life i had never seen before soon i found their den it was in a bank opposite my hiding-place and the entrance was among the roots of a great tree under water where no one could have possibly found it if the otters had not themselves shown the way in their approach they always dived while yet well out in the stream and so entered their door unseen when they came out they were quite as careful always swimming some distance under water before coming to the surface it was several days before my eye could trace surely the faint undulation of the water above them and so follow their course to their doorway had not the water been shallow i should never have found it for they are the most wonderful of swimmers making no ripple on the surface and not half the disturbance below it that a fish of the same weight makes those were among the happiest watching hours that i have ever spent in the woods the game was so large so utterly unexpected and i had the wonderful discovery all to myself not one of the half-dozen boys and men who occasionally when the fever seized them trapped muskrat in the big meadow a mile below or the rare mink that hunted frogs in the brook had any suspicion that such splendid fur was to be had for the hunting sometimes a whole afternoon would go slowly by filled with the sounds and sweet smells of the woods and not a ripple would break the dimples of the stream before me but when one late afternoon just as the pines across the stream began to darken against the western light a string of silver bubbles shot across the stream and a big otter rose to the surface with a pickerel in his mouth all the watching that had not well repaid itself was swept out of the reckoning he came swiftly towards me put his forepaws against the bank gave a wriggling jump and there he was not twenty feet away holding the pickerel down with his forepaws his back arched like a frightened cat and a tiny stream of water trickling down from the tip of his heavy pointed tail as he ate his fish with immense relish years afterward hundreds of miles away on the dungarvan in the heart of the wilderness every detail of the scene came back to me again i was standing on snowshoes looking out over the frozen river when keonek appeared in an open pool with a trout in his mouth he broke his way with a clattering tinkle of winter bells through the thin edge of ice put his paws against the heavy snow ice threw himself out of the same wriggling jump and ate with his back arched just as i had seen him years before this curious way of eating is i think characteristic of all otters certainly of those that i have been fortunate enough to see why they do it is more than i know but it must be uncomfortable for every mouthful full of fish bones too to slide uphill to one's stomach perhaps it is mere habit which shows in the arched backs of all the weasel family perhaps it is to frighten any enemy that may approach unawares while keonek is eating just as an owl when feeding on the ground bristles up all his feathers so as to look as big as possible 
but my first otter was too keen-scented to remain long so near a concealed enemy suddenly he stopped eating and turned his head in my direction i could see his nostrils twitching as the wind gave him its message then he left his fish glided into the stream as noiselessly as the brook entered it below him and disappeared without leaving a single wavelet to show where he had gone down when the young otters appeared there was one of the most interesting lessons to be seen in the woods though keonek loves the water and lives in it more than half the time his little ones are afraid of it as so many kittens if left to themselves they would undoubtedly go off for a hunting life following the old family instinct for fishing is an acquired habit of the otters and so the fishing instinct cannot yet be transmitted to the little ones that will take many generations meanwhile the little keonex must be taught to swim one day the mother otter appeared on the bank among the roots of the great tree under which was their secret doorway that was surprising for up to this time both otters had always approached it from the river and were never seen on the bank near their den she appeared to be digging but was immensely cautious about it looking listening sniffing continually i had never gone near the place for fear of frightening them away and it was months afterward when the den was deserted before i examined it to understand just what she was doing then i found that she had made another doorway from her den leading out to the bank she had selected the spot with wonderful cunning a hollow under a great root that would never be noticed and she dug from inside carrying the earth down to the river bottom so that there should be nothing about the tree to indicate the haunt of an animal long afterwards when i had grown better acquainted with keonek's ways from much watching i understood the meaning of all of this she was simply making a safe way out and in for the little ones who were afraid of the water had she taken or driven them out of her own entrance under the river they might easily have drowned ere they reached the surface when the entrance was all ready she disappeared but i have no doubt she was just inside watching to be sure the coast was clear slowly her head and neck appeared till they showed clear of the black roots she turned her nose upstream nothing in the wind eyes and ears searched below nothing harmful there then she came out and after her toddled two little otters full of wonder at the big bright world full of fear at the river there was no play at first only wonder and investigation caution was born in them they put their little feet down as if treading on eggs and they sniffed every bush before going behind it and the old mother noted their cunning with satisfaction while her own nose and ears watched far away the outing was all too short some uneasiness was in the air downstream suddenly she rose from where she was lying and the little ones as if commanded tumbled back into the den in a moment she had glided after them and the bank was deserted it was fully ten minutes before my untrained ears caught faint sounds which were not of the woods coming upstream and longer than that before two men with fish poles appeared making their slow way to the pond above they passed almost over the den and disappeared all unconscious of beast or man that wished them elsewhere resenting their noisy passage through the solitudes but the otters did not come out again though i watched till nearly dark End of section 4, recording by Maggie Travers.